BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Hey, y'all. Ooh, John, a little southern today. Listen, I'm I'm below the Mason-Dixon here in Maryland. Yes. And as far as I'm concerned, that means I'm southern. I grew up in a southern house, and it is what it is. You love a sweet tea. I know that from our crime con days <laughs> together when we were down south. Quick question for you. When are you, like, uh-huh. because I didn't leave the city, so, like, I'm, yeah. I've been here. Are you, like hearing are you setting a deadline for when you're going to come back or is it just kind of like listen if we're working from home you're staying down there like what's your plan well here's the thing as most people know darren you as well everyone who lives there and who doesn't new york city apartments are very small and the new one i just moved into in march literally a week before i left new york city is exceptionally small And, um, I think, yeah, as long as I'm working remotely, I'm probably just going to stay in Maryland because I have a car here. Number one, I have access to the mountains and the rivers and all right. Now I'm jealous. I know. Sorry. (laughs) So, so yeah, I'm kind of tucked away up here and it's pretty comfortable overall. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of just writing it out. And frankly, I, I don't know what your experience has been with achieving groceries, but here it's not that bad. So I feel like, you know, I don't want to risk having to go out in New York even still right now. Um, but how has that been, by the way? You know, at first, like I think the first few weeks, it was a little bit rough. I mean, I know people were complaining about, you know, time slots, at least for Amazon or Whole Foods or whatever they were doing. Um, and I definitely, when I take walks, I see some lines, but I think it depends where you live because I live right by a grocery store, like around the corner for me. And I've walked in, I've gotten all groceries, no problem. It has toilet paper, it has paper towels. It's fully stocked. Oh, okay. uh, well, there's never been more than five people in it. And it's like a huge Gristini. So maybe it's yeah. just because it's like a shittier grocery store that, you know, the, the rich people are going to like Citarellas <laughs> and things. Um, and I'm buying yeah. those things out. I haven't had an issue. Um, in fact, I've been using Great. Instacart and they have like open slots kind of all the time. So uh, to be That's honest, with you, like the only, I mean, this is obviously coming from such a pl- privileged position and I feel like people are kind of over right. the quarantine talk, which is actually kind of a relief. It feels <laughs> like we're over that hump, but I feel like the most annoying thing is like wiping everything down now. Oh my God. Yes. I hate you know, it's so much. It's like 45 minutes after I get the groceries, <laughs> then I can put them away. So like, that's kind of the only, I can't really complain. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. It, it hasn't been that difficult. I've been, yeah, we'll, we'll retire the quarantine talk overall, but I have, it's been now about two months and yeah. I still have yet to walk in and see Clorox wipes on a shelf. That's all I want. Yeah. 
you know, I stopped looking for them because it was like, it was like disappointment every time. And, and granted online, like absolutely they should be going to help. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they should be going to healthcare workers and that stuff first and foremost. But I did think maybe this was a little naive. I did think like, I thought that was just going to be like a complication in the first couple of weeks. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking. And not, too, like, you know, through the course of our lives. Am I ever going to get a fucking Clorox wipe again? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, because like I understand the panic in the beginning and people of not course. wanting to be outside, you know, exposing themselves for long amounts of time. But yeah, we're two months into this, at least for the New Yorkers. So I'm like, okay, like, are these actually getting produced or what's yeah. happening? Yeah, I think you May know? is going to be. I mean, maybe we keep saying this and who knows, maybe maybe wrong to prediction, but I do think the most movement in terms of just like life changes, and maybe that means Clorox wipe changes, uh, will happen in May. I know some states are already kind of opening up for better or for worse. Uh, We could make that argument all day, but I do know that like some things, certainly in New York, they're scheduling out like four phases of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think restaurants are maybe in the third phase on July one, but I think like you know, hairdressers and, uh, like those types of things are opening up. I want to say mid June. I could mm. be wrong, Might okay. be wrong, but I do think May is kind of leading up to a lot of experimentation for the lack of a better term of what some States are doing right. And maybe what some States are doing wrong or stuff like that. So yeah. I'm curious, I'm curious to yeah. follow the reports. Yeah. Um, every state and every region is different. So we'll have to see. <clears throat> and in the meantime, I'm just happy to get drunk with you. Obviously. I mean, that's Obviously. the whole reason we're doing the show. Well, exactly. And I got to say, my drink today is courtesy of your recommendation. Uh, I'm drinking my Backstreet Boys bourbon, my friend. (laughs) Well, I am as well. And I have exciting, uh, something exciting to say is that our friends at the Heritage Distillery, uh, sorry, Distilling Company, uh, sent Darren and I complimentary bottles of the BSB brown sugar bourbon. Darren, you got what I have been drinking for a while, right? The regular uh, BSB brown sugar bourbon. Yes, I got a beautiful bottle of it. I Clorox wiped it myself. <laughs> oh, and, good. Uh, it's sitting on my shelf. In fact, I'm going to pour it right now. So hopefully you can get the sound effect. Yeah, but me you too. actually got. I want to say the cinnamon version, right? Okay. Well, wait a minute. Cause you All were right, texting. Hold on, well, hold we were on. texting about this and I thought that I got a cinnamon version, but I think we got the same thing because I'm looking at my regular bottle and at the bottom it says brown sugar flavored bourbon with hints of cinnamon on my regular bottle. But then I realized the new bottle says uh, bourbon whiskey with natural brown sugar and cinnamon flavors added. So I think, is that what yours says as well? That's exactly what mine says. Okay, then we got the my... same thing. Okay, good, because you know what? I get a little self-conscious. Ooh, I poured in two shots of this thing that I'm going to sip throughout the show. Um, I got a little self-conscious that they were favoring you. You know? Is that right? And, no, I don't Well, you know, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, you got a different <laughs> flavor, and I got a little upset. Well, I uh, think what happened was I told them I was having the regular version. Right. And then I thought they had sent you the regular and then me something different since I had already been drinking it. But it looks like we got the same thing and there's nothing to worry about. Well, thank you, Heritage Distillery. Thank Company. you. You know, it just goes yes. to show that even even when you and I are apart virtually, we don't really need Matt to get us drinks. No, we definitely don't. That's the beauty of um, the quarantine in a lot of ways. We still need Gina Staff Boozer, but not necessarily I know, uh, we anybody else. Her. Well, John, I've swirled it around, and I'm ready to take my first sip. Do you want to do a little Me cheers? Too. Yeah, cheers, bitches. Here we go. Cheers. Ooh, lovely, honey. Wasn't that a good little clink? It was probably mm. loud, though. Whew, it is so good, though. 
Do you love it? I'm so glad that you like it as much as I do. Well, the thing I've been liking about that, because, you know, normally I'm a vodka soda girl, is that. Right. So in New York last weekend, so this is coming out on a Sunday. So literally a week ago, it was fucking beautiful here. It was like 75 degrees, like 80 degrees. It was fucking magnanimous. It was amazing. And like a vodka soda is what you're going to drink on like a summery kind of day. But Mm -hmm. this week, it's been kind of rainy. It's been kind of cold. A little bit. I mean, it definitely feels like fall weather. And so immediately when you have bourbon or whiskey or any like dark liquor for me, it just warms my body. And that's been kind of nice. Like it it feels, it feels nice. And I'm normally a mixed drink type of gal. I rarely drink stuff neat, but it's been feeling appropriate for me to do that. Well, I, like I said, this brown sugar bourbon from the Heritage Distilling Company is great with um, iced tea. By itself. Yeah. Oh, it's great with iced tea. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'll try it with a little. I'm curious what yeah. it tastes like with soda, just like regular. I tried seltzer it. Water. I tr- I tried it. Oh, with seltzer. That's interesting. I tried it with um, Seven uh, Up or Sprite. What did you try cherry it with? Coke, cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. That seems like it would. Yeah, because the they're both sweet. Like I wonder if I could cut the sweet with some soda. Yeah. Anyway, neither yeah, of you were there. Let's get into the murder this week, shall we? Yes. Um. Go hit it. T- kick us off here, Darren. I want to know what's going on. Okay, so on March 15th, 2015, really not that long ago in Ridgeville, excuse me, Ohio, a local real estate broker was checking on one of his developments and noticed something behind a snowbank. Never a good sign when something's like, and notice something behind <laughs> the snowbank. Noticed a dark object in the water, you know? Mm-hmm. It was a woman naked below the waist and lying face down in the snow. Now, by 2 p.m., police had sealed the area and detectives were on the scene. One said, quote, it was apparent that she had died a violent death. There was blood on her face and on her head. Uh, and she was naked below the waist, like I said. So she wasn't even completely yeah. naked. It wasn't immediately mm. clear if she had sort of been shot or stabbed, which to me, if you can't really tell, that means it's a brutal scene. I would well, like to right, think that that's... I would know the difference between a stab, room, stab wound and a gun wound, like a been shot, right. but I don't know. Mm-hmm. There was nothing yeah. obvious about who she was or what might have happened. And it looked as if someone had just pulled up and honestly just kind of dumped her there, for lack of a better term. Her shirt had been pulled up showing her breasts. And it seemed like seemed likely it had been some sort of sexual crime. Certainly to me, you know, being naked from mm-hmm. the waist down, uh, that shows something. If her shirt's being pulled up, that says another. The Ohio Turnpike was very close. It was possible someone had been abducted and dumped there. A detective told Snap, quote, in a lot of cases, it's a whodunit. And in this case, it was a who is it. And if you don't know who your victim is, it makes it very difficult to find out who killed the victim. There was no traces of any blood on the pavement nearby. There was no traces of blood on the nearby area surrounding the body, end quote. Which, John, to be honest with you, in a snowbank, to not have any real traces of anything seems a little odd to me. Because that would stick in a snowbank, right? Right, and I'm just like, I'm thinking too, like, are they, um, you know, putting her, this person, in a bag and then dropping her off? Like, you know, there there would at least be some evidence, I would imagine, especially if she's being laid on top of the snow. You know what I mean? It almost seems too perfect. You know? Yeah, exactly. So police were hoping for a fingerprint match or at least a hit in the missing persons database. But unfortunately, neither one of those things came. Police asked for help from the public and the media displayed the victim's face and tattoos, hoping someone would recognize her. You know, tattoos, certainly, you know, we talked about in the Richard Speck case, actually. Uh, yeah. Tattoos are a really good signifier. So I'm hoping That's here. right. When asked by a reporter about releasing the images, an investigator responded, quote, I ask myself, 
if this was my daughter, would I want a police department releasing a picture of her? And we came up with yes, end quote. Mm. And it paid off because within hours, police received a call from the victim's mother. You know, there is debate about there is debate about that. And I'm glad that they at least asked themselves that question. I certainly think with press, they can do a great job in getting, you know, media attention out there. And hopefully, you know, these armchair detectives can kind of come through. But at the same time, sometimes revealing a little bit too much, uh, at least with the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash. You know, I think Uh that's one of the more recent examples. It's it's too much, you know, and I think the families get to kind of determine whether or not they want those images out there. Yeah, well, the victim's mother, Janet Tybersky, contacted police within hours. Janet had been a single mother for 15 years, and her three children and four-year-old grandson meant everything to her. In the 90s, Janet was married to a lawyer and former star football player turned criminal defense attorney, and the two were climbing in career and social status. Wow. Yeah, he was a good father and provider, and an attorney told Snap, quote, everyone seemed to like him, both colleagues and prosecutors. They really thought very highly of him. They had three kids together, Megan, Hannah, and Shelly, but an event in 1999 shattered that amazing life together. One night, the father was coming back from a party and drove off the road into the fenced-off area of a marina where boats were stored. He, unfortunately, died from the crash. Oh, God. <clears throat> yeah, the younger children were too young to fully understand, but Shelly, who was close with her father, was extremely traumatized. Of which course. I'm sure, yeah, like, can you yeah. imagine something like that happening? People.com wrote, quote, after her dad died when she was eight, Shelly's mental health declined. She later received a diagnosis and was prescribed medication for bipolar disorder, end quote. Wow. Detect- I mean, yeah. No, I mean, listen, anytime a, a parent dies, it feels traumatic, but at eight, especially when you're close, <clears throat> I can only imagine. Especially in such a manner. Yeah. A detective said, quote, typically most outbursts Shelly would have would be yelling, screaming, maybe throwing some items around the house. It didn't rise to the level of physical violence so much, but just more of turbulent behavior. Fair, fair. Yeah. Janet sold their house to try to get a fresh start, and that's when they moved to Lakewood, Ohio. An attorney told Snap, quote, Janet was very proud of living in Lakewood. It's nice. I mean, Lakewood's a nice community, end quote. But by 2011, Hannah and Megan were ready for college, and Shelly had a baby boy, although the relationship with the dad didn't last. From People say uh, people reports, quote, overlooking their turbulent past, Janet and Shelly moved back in together, and under the same roof, mother and daughter raised Shelly's son, Cole, end quote. So, you know, a lot of names and scenarios happening here, but ultimately, Janet and Shelly moved back in together with Shelly's son, Cole. Yes, But that was okay. Janet was there to help. With the other two daughters out of the nest, all their focus was on her grandson. Detective Greg Petek told Snapped, quote, Here you have this woman who's a sweet grandmother. She's got three daughters, and she practically raised on her own. uh, That she practically raised on her own, rather, because her husband had passed away. Janet had made the comment that life had given her lemons, and, you know, she was going to make lemonade out of it. End quote. Now, not to, like, compare anything that's happening now necessarily with like the tragic sudden death. But I think in general, when something bad happens, whether it's a pandemic or a traumatic event to me, and I think this is one of the reasons why I'm a very like optimistic person, the, the ability of the human mind and just the soul and the energy coming from a human being and what we can accomplish if we really put our minds to it, you know, and like thinking about all that she had to overcome, you know, I'm sure Janet never living a life thinking I got to be a single mom of three and raise, you know, a grandson, but she was able to do it. And I just think like the human spirit 
you know, every night at 7 p.m. in New York City, it just it just renews my sense of humanity. If that I makes mean, sense. Most people are terrible. Um, I disagree but... with that. <laughs> Matt is kidding. terrible. Matt, Matt is, terrible. is terrible. Matt is terrible. I just want to let you know I'm having a work from home crisis at the moment because Darren, a spider. Nope, has stop. just crawled. I'm done. I'm done. Has just crawled right by my feet. It's How freaking big? me out. It's How not big? that big. It's like the size of a dime, but like that's big enough. I sprayed it with um, cleaning solution just to like, cause like I'm trying not to freak out on air, but like I cannot do this. So give me one second while I. Okay, I think it might have died. Now listen, I'm not the type of person that thinks anytime there's a spider, you must kill it. Or anytime there's, you know, something that needs, you know, an insect that isn't invited into your personal space, it should die. I'm very much a trap and release type of person, but not when I'm sitting here without socks on and it's going by my feet. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm not going to be able to continue just knowing that a spider <laughs> touched your foot. I feel like this is the it last. It didn't touch. It got it close. Does, but it was near it. It was inching for it. It wanted to be there. That's all I'll yeah. say. You're right. Anyway, anyway, so a murder could have happened it. right there, but we didn't. <laughs> well, back, back to, to police. Story. Yes, getting a call from the victim's mother, Janet. So police went to Janet's home, and she and Shelly's sister, Hannah, seemed to be somewhat in shock, and they were crying. And Janet told police of Shelly's battle with bipolar disorder and how she couldn't hold down a job because of it. Apparently, Shelly had recently been reconnecting with the father of her baby, a man named Tommy, but... Janet didn't think that Tommy was really good for her. A detective said, quote, we learned that Tommy was basically a hard living rock and roll type of guy. He played in a rock and roll band, had some past encounters with law enforcement, mostly related to probably drugs and alcohol. He wasn't a career criminal. He was just kind of a wild guy that liked to party hard and have fun. Sure. And occasionally he'd have some encounters with law enforcement, but not a substantial criminal background. End quote. And I think that that quote kind of sums up like what I had in my mind. You know, it's, it's important to say that like, I think, you know, being a rock and roll kind of guy, everyone has like, you know, you're doing bags of cocaine on the street and strippers and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that sounds amazing. It does. It does sound kind of like the lifestyle that I'm, <laughs> I, I'm currently living. Right. Uh, that's but, you know, the I mean, Dan any, lifestyle. Exactly. But it doesn't really seem to be like he was a, a danger to society. It just kind of seems like, eh, you know, he did some drugs, got caught by cops, but nothing like major dealing or anything like that. It yeah, doesn't kind of seem to be that mill. case. Yeah. yeah. A low, a low, like, offender, kind of, mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. Well, Shelly would go away for a week with him, and Janet said that's where she assumed she was heading when she last saw her. Janet heard her get in a car and leave late at night. Shelly's sister also said she was gone all weekend and likely at Tommy's place. A detective told Snap, quote, Tommy had a violent past. There were some arrests for prior violent behavior. No, there appeared to be some, some drug and alcohol issues. Right away, we felt we had a good lead, a very strong, solid lead, end quote. So let me take back what I said about him. Maybe he does yeah. have a violent past. I was going to say, be careful there. 
Well, listen, it could be two different detectives <laughs> that we're talking about here. So yeah. Shelly had actually met him when she was 21, but Tommy was 39. That's a pretty big age difference. Yeah, that is a at pretty that, big one. At that age. At that age. Technically, it could be his, her father, if you think about it. Technically. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yahoo reported that Tommy was divorced and had a child. Tommy told Snap, quote, I was walking out of the doctor's appointment and she approached me from a bus stop and asked me if she if I knew where Sloan Avenue was. And I said, yeah, it's right down here. And we kind of started talking. I thought she was cute and she was being kind of flirtatious. I told her about the music studio that I had and I invited her to come down and come check it out. And so we just kind of hit it off from there. End quote. Uh, that's, that seems like a little meat cute. Uh, if you ask me, it's such yeah. a, it sounds like such a like old school, like, Hey, I got a music studio. Like wanna yeah, come right. make a new rock album with me or come something Come check like out that. my speakers. Yeah. Right. It's just very like, it feels eighties to me. But. It does. Well, Janet immediately thought it was a bad idea and seemed justified when their relationship fell apart a few months after Shelly gave birth to their son. Tommy said, quote, we ended up just growing apart at a point in time and we were uh, to a point where we didn't talk, end quote. So usually in the best case, you know, before we go any further, let me just say not every case parents should stay together for the children. Sometimes it's no. better to split up, you know. Mm -hmm. But Tommy told detectives she would come over and party and that it was never a serious relationship, more of a friends with benefits kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, you're co-parenting. Yeah, right. No, but speaking of splitting up, I did kill the spider. It's destroyed. So it, did you a like, murder happened here on the show today, guys? Are you going to put like caution tape around it or something like that? <laughs> um, no. Crime scene unit. Okay. Maybe I'll do like yeah, like chalk around it and take a yeah. picture. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, do a little like body outline. Okay. And then yeah. like put little like evidence pieces up there. That's what I need to see. You know we what we to, should do? We should tease this this episode throughout the next couple of days. Like there was a murder on the show. Yeah, like a and murder like, happened while it happened. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So you guys are tuning in now after seeing that on our Facebook page for the last couple of days. Now you know who got murdered. It was a spider. And I think most people would probably think it was me doing something. And <laughs> right. Yeah, there so you go. About this specific night in question, Tommy, during an interview with police, said, quote, my last communication with her was about 830 on Thursday night, and she was supposed to call me Friday morning, and she never did. Now, that's the same time you say that Janet told you guys that I picked her up at two in the morning, and I never did. So Tommy's alibi, like, how can we kind of prove this, you know? So right. during his police interview, Tommy said, quote, I'm always drunk. I'm just being honest with you. You know, like I said, the only reason I know it's Tuesday right now is because I know it's St. Patrick's Day. All right. And I slept all day yesterday. The day before I drank a bottle of Jack, half a bottle of Crown, and about 20 beers. So I've been blackout drunk for the last four days. And Welcome uh, to my life in quarantine. I mean, I literally. Even, have you even consumed 20 beers in your whole life? Let alone in <laughs> no. one sitting? No, but maybe 20 shots of BSB brown sugar bourbon by Heritage Distilling Company. The only reason you know it's a Wednesday is because it's martinis and murder. <laughs> it's martinis day. and murder. So here's a snippet from Tommy's interview with detectives. How about I be Tommy and you be detective? Okay, sure. Uh, so I'm Tommy, you're detective. Her and I have never had an argument, really. You and her never had any physical confrontations or struggles or anything? Nope. I know how women are, so, I mean, sometimes they get out of hand, especially, you know, if they've been drinking. Shelly's just a handful. Look, if she don't take her medication, man, she's kind of, she's really kind of loopy. And scene. Did you I like my... Little, I tried to play a little drunk, and I like that you did, like, Southern yeah. Cop. Like, Southern, Southern Detective. Cop. Yes. 
and not, not to judge anybody that says you and her, but like, it's really tough for me to like grammatically say things wrong. Um, I don't know if you had the same thing when you said her and I, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful at times. It's, it's very stressful. Yeah. Very stressful. So police wanted to know if there was anything else that they should look into, obviously. So Tommy told them, quote, look, Shelly's a, she's a good girl, but she has serious personality disorders. She didn't have the maturity of a 26 year old. She was more like a, you know, 14 or 15 year old in her head. She's seeing a psychiatrist regularly. Like I said, she always said a lot of stuff that was untrue. You know, her mom probably told you that, like, that she has personality disorders. She cheats on me all the time. It's a regular thing with her. That's from Tommy. Um, Wow. A lot of details there. And saying a a 14-year-old or 15-year-old in her head, I mean, if she's seeing a psychiatrist regularly, he's almost saying it's like, a kind of a bad thing. I mean, yes, she was diagnosed yeah. or at least get, you know, medicated for bipolar uh, disorder. But to say that is a little like, seems like a little low belt to me, I guess. A yeah. Low belt. I don't know. He also told them that if she got picked up on by someone, it was through Facebook and that she used her mom's computer. A detective said, quote, she had been communicating over Facebook messenger with a young man named Brandon. And that was the same night that we believe that Shelly went missing. Isn't it interesting how technology kind of like factors into modern investigations in ways like it obviously didn't back in the day? Oh, yeah. I always yeah. find that I mean, interesting. So many things of just like people, you know, posting tweets or Facebook and then them yeah. like tracing back to exactly where they were when they posted it and catching people. It's kind of fascinating. Like the Gypsy Rose thing. Remember when exactly. she was. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. While detectives interviewed Brandon, he claimed that they had known each other since high school and stayed in touch, but didn't have any kind of an intimate relationships or plans to hang out, and also his alibi checked out for where he was. Meanwhile, another clue came with a coroner's report. The coroner determined that Shelley had never been sexually assaulted. So this is interesting. Huh. Since her breasts were exposed and that she was naked from the waist down, it kind of makes you wonder if this was a staged scenario. I mean, um, that does seem like it was staged, but again, to me, dumping a body, you know, because we don't have no blood tracing, and then doing right. that, it's like, what do you want to get the fuck out of Dodge, you know, yeah. as opposed to, like, setting the stage? So that's that's another layer that's complicated. I agree. Well, the lead investigator said, quote, the fact that the victim had no identification or no personal belongings with her that would help us identify her, the way the victim was dressed and the way that she was left at the scene, especially with her wrist being bound with a ligature, told us that we were dealing with somebody that wanted to delay our efforts, probably in the hopes that the perpetrator would not be eventually discovered, end quote. Right. Okay. That's basically what Darren and I figured out just by our information here on the show. Um, right. The other new clue was that she was likely strangled, which is a crime of proximity. The perpetrator is often someone close to the victim, which is an interesting detail about that type of murder. Yeah. We find that, you know, a lot of times it is someone who knows the victim in some sort of way. So yeah, could be. Well, investigators decided to take another look at Tommy. Had they possibly gotten in a fight that got out of hand? Maybe they were partying too hard and things got really dark. Detectives brought Tommy in and interviewed him for six hours, and he stuck to his story. During the interview, Tommy said, quote, I've never picked her up at two in the morning, ever. I've never called her later than 10, because her mom told me not to. Dude, just the whole story that Janet's telling, man, she's leaving shit out. She's not telling you the whole truth. She's not telling you the whole story. There's something wrong there, you know? End quote. And that in- that's very interesting to say during the interview. It almost sounds like Tommy has 
I don't know if it's like more information or if he just knows Janet well enough or has some sort of intuition about her. He really seems to be sticking to his guns that, you know, there's something more to, to investigate there. Definitely but, seems to be saying that. I mean, I mean, I will say he's been interviewed for six hours and they didn't. He, you know, he kept his story straight. But keep in mind, right. he's also admitting that he's literally drunk all the time. Well, that's true. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> if his memory is just shitty or not. It's hard to say when someone's intoxicated 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tommy also told police that Shelly and Janet had been fighting over a story that Shelly had been telling her friends the week before she vanished. Apparently, she had been saying that her deceased father had been sexually molested molesting her as a child while her mother watched. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So Tommy said he assumed it was just another of Shelly's delusions, but when he tried to talk to Janet about it, she went nuts. About Janet at the time, Tommy told Snapped, quote, she's just in anger mode and that's it. Janet, I believe, said, don't worry, I'll take care of this. And, you know, and she just sounded really angry. And I said, Janet, don't get angry about this, you know. You need to talk to her doctor about this, all right? End quote. In his interview with police, Tommy continued, quote, You know, I really hate to think that her mom could do something like that, man. But, you know, I got to be honest, dude. She was pissed off about that whole thing, you know. You know, she's not being honest, end quote. I mean, that's a pretty, like, huge, disastrous claim to make about somebody that's happening. I mean, yeah. certainly... It would explain a lot of the trauma and maybe, maybe, right. you know, certainly having to see a psychiatrist, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. not just when the father died, but certainly if Janet had been involved in it, that just seems very scary. And also, you yeah. know, Shelly has sisters. So I think we have to kind of, you know, also look to them. So that's right. Good point. Investigators turned back to Janet's house to talk to Shelly's sister, Hannah. She said she hadn't come home from college until Saturday. But when investigators asked if they could take a look at her cell phone, they caught her trying to delete conversations. A detective recalled, quote, she stood right up and walked right out of the interview. She just panicked and got right up and left, end quote. Uh-oh. Not a good sign. So, no. you know, our nerd flares go up a lot. My, <laughs> my like, crim crime, like, criminology flares are going up. So red yeah. flags are essentially all over the place with this case right now, considering Hannah did that. Police obtained a search warrant for Janet's silver minivan. There was blood. There was a blood stain on the driver's door and swaps oh. were taken. Then video footage from local businesses were taken. A detective said, quote, the early morning hours of March 15th, we actually could see a silver minivan down this road and the vehicle was back there for approximately eight or nine minutes and then reemerged and left oh, the area. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Well, Shelly's DNA matched the blood in the van, and they got a search warrant for Janet's home, but when they issued it, they expected Janet to deflect, but she didn't. A detective said, quote, as always, anytime we've had contact with Janet, she was cordial. She invited us in, end quote. Now, remember, she was the one who called in after they posted the photo online, so she's involved in this case. She also asked police to have a seat at her dining room table. That's very nice mm, and yeah. then janet said quote i'm gonna go ahead and confess to killing shelly oh okay yeah okay, okay 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 i'm just gonna go ahead like some people might say i'm just gonna go ahead and say i'm so glad you guys are here i feel um, relieved i'm gonna yes. get my daughter found no no i'm gonna go no. ahead in the kitchen and pour you some uh brown sugar bourbon one moment but no this i'm gonna was, go I'm ahead gonna... and get you a cherry coke with it exactly right right right, right. not exactly the same thing here it is a little bit of a uh, you killing the spider was foreshadowing to this because you literally <laughs> yeah. were like, I'm just going to let you guys know I killed the spider. I'm going to um, go ahead and confess to killing the spider that was exactly. crawling around my feet. Yeah. 
So she said that beyond the new unfounded story of her allowing molestation and the years of struggling with Shelly through her bipolar disorder, Shelly had apparently become more and more violent and Janet feared for her and her grandson's life. Explaining that the situation with Shelly had been escalating and that she had believed her grandson was at risk, Janet said, quote, I killed her on the early hours of Friday the 13th in a crime of passion. This poor little guy, he's perfect. He's so freaking amazing and she knows this, but she can't control this piece of whatever's going on in her mind. Making up this up these stories as if they're fact. And I said, my God, what are you doing, honey? End quote. Janet mm. wanted custody of her grandson, but Shelly wanted to take him and move in with Tommy. So Barrett, that caused for contention. Now, in her mm -hmm. interrogation, Dan Janet told police, quote, I told her about not going to Tommy's. You know, I need to work on getting at least temporary custody so we can get child care. She was pissed off, end quote. Apparently, a chair was then thrown, and allegedly, Shelly said she would kill Janet in her sleep. I Very would casual. Never sleep again. Right, a, de right. a detective said, quote, Shelly took medication. That medication had the effect of knocking her out. Janet said she waited about 15 or 20 minutes because she knew the medication had taken effect by then. She went upstairs, got a blanket and pillow from another bedroom, walked into Shelly's bedroom, end quote. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Shelly woke up. Oh, the two struggled, fell off the bed, and Janet smashed Shelly's head into the wood floor. This is her uh, daughter, okay? Uh, she went unconscious, and Janet finished smothering her. Oh While she God. smothered her daughter, Janet told police that she talked to her, saying, you're going to be with Daddy now. Go be with Daddy. And after that, Janet closed the door and went to bed. Now, from what we uh, know, keep in mind that the body was still found with no pants on, and her breasts were exposed. Well, right. So then the next day, she worked out her plan to dispose of the body and the evidence. She called her daughter Hannah, picked her up for college, and told her what happened and asked her for her help. Janet told, now this is, of course, Hannah is her sister. Um, right. So Janet told police, quote, that's right where I should have stopped. Hannah should have never been involved in that, end quote. Janet and Hannah loaded the minivan with the body and dumped her in the snow. I mean, this is her sister and her daughter. Are we not yeah. talking, like, are we just, like, casually saying these details? It's fucking insane. Detectives were always shocked by Janet's polite, motherly demeanor through all of it. One detective even said, quote, I think that if we would have given her the opportunity before she confessed to murder, she probably would have baked us some cookies because she was that cordial. She was that polite and that pleasant throughout the entire investigation from the beginning to the end, end quote. I, I mean, I don't want to, like, put too much, you know, coloring of this person, but it is kind of like... It's weird. Maybe, this is bipolar, it almost seems like. Yeah. And then after Janet confessed during her interrogation at her table, she asked for uh, her phone call and rang Hannah. So Janet said, quote, I just uh, confessed to, to murdering Shelly. Yeah, I did, honey. I, I told them. I'm telling them everything that happened. And I know that, and they feel that they're that you're an accessory after the fact, though, honey. So they're going to be talking to you, okay? And quote a little bit of gotta, emphasis is mine. That was my favorite quote. I think you've read <laughs> uh, because it was like it was so how I would picture like this motherly Janet being. Yeah, just like right. I confess to her. I'm telling them everything that happened, honey. Like that's <laughs> right. a good motherly role. So I'm impressed. Thank you. With you. I'm impressed. Thank you. I am the the mother of our fans for enough for lack of. Well, a we do know that. Yes, we do yes. know that. Yes. Um, well, police were sent to Hannah's college, and she admitted to cleaning the crime scene, disposing of evidence, moving the body, and misleading investigators. In a pretrial hearing, Janet's attorney claimed she killed Shelley out of self-defense, 
But prosecutors found that Janet was actually in a dire financial situation and had taken out, are you ready, Darren? Uh-huh, here we go. A life insurance policy on Shelly not too long before the murder. Uh, maybe there was more to the motive than she had admitted. It sounds like there is. Regardless. Can we just, can, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you no. so abruptly, but like, can we also just take into the fact that like, what happened to the other sister? I know, Why is she I was only relying on Hannah? What about the other? Like, what? She was. Off what is Megan doing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is Megan what? producing our show? Is, is she this? producing our show? That's What's it. Happening? That's it. We've cracked it open. Um, regardless, though, she ended up negotiating a guilty plea anyway on the condition that there was leniency for her daughter Hannah. This is so interesting. I find all these details super fascinating. Prosecutors agreed to give Hannah a plea deal that avoided prison, and Janet would plead guilty taking life with the possibility of parole in 19 years or in 2030. She will be 60 years old at that point. Which, not for nothing, I mean, is still a life to live. Yeah, that's true. Uh, People reported that after Janet pleaded guilty in court, she said, quote, my actions were just egregious. End quote. This woman. I mean, seems she's, to so, know. she's like a rational killer. She's yeah. like, she sounds like me if I were to kill someone. Yeah, she does sound like someone it, who like, like eh. someone that would like host a true crime podcast and have a conversation about it. You know, but she's so like matter of fact with it. It's almost like jarring to me. It's like I know. It's nice to see this kind <clears throat> of wrapped up in a bow, you know, so we know. But at the same time, it's like, well, what? This is your I daughter. Know. Well, even still, Janet's former mother-in-law defended her to Fox 8, saying, quote, Janet Tybersky is not a cold-blooded killer, but a woman who worked hard to raise her three daughters after her husband died in a car accident 18 years ago. If you only knew how hard it was to raise three daughters alone, how hard she tried, end quote. I mean, yes, but at the same time, like, and I know that she feared for her grandson's life, but why not get Shelly help? Like, your, why is their first well, right. reaction to kill someone? So that life insurance policy, I don't know. That makes me feel really weird. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of weird layers to this story. Um, well, Hannah pled guilty to abuse of a corpse and got one year probation. Fox 8 also reported that Hannah had lost her scholarship to Oberlin because of all of this. So what not a surprising. Weird story. Yeah, what a weird story today. Like, there are just so many layers. I feel like I want to continue. Like, even just the other sister, like you were just saying. I'm like, what's what she think? I mean, you know, they don't even mention her in this. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. And what about the grandson? I don't know. It's just it. Like, what happens to him? You know, because everyone in his life, I guess, except for Tommy, and just goes to show, by the way, that even though Tommy was drunk twenty four seven, he ain't a murderer. You know, just because you might have a violent <laughs> right. past a little bit with cops doesn't make you a murderer. And so I think this yeah. is a lot of not reading books by just for their covers type of case. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. And you do wonder how much of this story Cole, the young boy, uh, her son, you know, really remembers or comprehends. Yeah. You know? And hopefully it yeah. doesn't, it's not a generational sadness. You know what I mean? Well, I hope not. I mean, at least it's not a search forever. And at least we know the truth now. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. But, All right. Well, let us know what you guys thought about this episode. You can tweet us. Like I said, some of you guys have been tweeting us after we said this. We are literally at our computers all day long. We would love to interact with you. Please let us know what you think about the episode. And we'll, uh, we'll usually write you back, usually. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Unless Matt, you know, unless I'm like drunk 24-7 and, yeah. and John's killing spiders. And Matt's right, not exactly. here, which is just another example of 
what we're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if we even set that up. Matt is busy doing the parenting thing. I don't know. I don't do anything like that. I don't get it. Um, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, does he yeah. have children? Like, does he I have children? I don't know. Well, let's get to some listener shout outs and I'll do the first one, Darren. Okay, so Jen Langton Vox on Instagram says, we started a tradition of listening to Martinis and Murder on drives home from our regular Saturday gig. When I got ill in December, the boys held off so we could catch up together. With things the way they are, I decided I missed it and started listening again today. A little bittersweet hearing, I can't wait for 2020. And uh, that was from Jen Langston on... Um, or is it Langton? Langton, sorry, on Instagram. And she was listening to episode 162, where I think we were saying, yay, um, you know, here comes 2020. And then, yeah, crash and, then and burn on that year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, on a lighter note, Renee on Twitter says, quote, just found out that I share a birthday with a serial killer. I guess that explains my love for true crime. Renee, what serial killer? And when yeah. is your birthday? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that was on Twitter. So, Renee, if you're listening, hit us up and let us know which serial killer that is. Yes, please do. Yes. All right, that's it for this week's episode. We'll be back with another shot. Uh, Darren, we should mention now we are pausing our Instagram lives. We yes. had a lot of fun with them. We're going to bring them back. But for now, we want to get back to recording regular another shot episodes. I am into that. Absolutely. Yeah. But we'll be back. Keep a, keep, a, keep a lookout on our Instagrams. We will definitely come back to do that. There you go. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. From the people who brought you the thing about Pam, a story of fraud, power, and pride. Motive for Murder, a new Dateline podcast. Subscribe now wherever you listen. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.